first and now is your official BC Lions podcast. Matt Baker, Nick Kowalski back. Well, it seems like only yesterday we were uh, doing an episode with Joey Alaferi, but uh, Alfieri, excuse me, got to get that right. There's one for the fine jar. But Nick, uh, how are you? We're good to be here uh, recording uh, the morning after an impressive win over the Montreal Alouettes. Everything is right in the world again. Back in the win column, 4-1 at the bye. Yeah, I think everybody here is back in good spirits. Feels good getting getting a win again. You know, that, that blip in the radar last week, right, you could say. Uh, steal a page <laughs> from uh, the the Prairie Markets uh, books. But um. Yeah, it feels good, go. especially especially now with the bye week too, right? Like it's got to feel good for the guys. It's much earned now after five weeks of, you know, you're you're pre- you're preparing, you're practicing, you're meeting, you're working out every single day, and some well earned time off. Uh, four and one, going to Toronto, Calgary, and Winnipeg. You really can't complain, right? Not at all. I mean, uh, yeah, undefeated in the division. The only loss coming to Toronto, uh, arguably the best team in this league for what that's worth uh, in the second week of July. Um, If you told this team at the start of the year or when the schedule came out, they would be at four and one undefeated in the West, including a very impressive victory in Winnipeg. Um, We would have said, hand us the hand us the paperwork. Where do we sign? Um, A lot of football left to be, to be played. A lot of people are going to make it about us and the blue bombers. Fair enough, but Saskatchewan right there at three and one with an opportunity to get to four and one. They host Calgary this week. Lions again on that bye week. Um, but um, yeah, the wins in June and July are just as valuable as the ones in September and October. And um, this team ha- has built up some currency in the bank here. Five games in. Yeah, and to add to that, uh, preseason contract you're referencing. If you were to add to the to the fact that Matthew Betts would have nine sacks. Alex Hollins would be leading the league mm-hmm. in receptions. Um, Sean Shivers would emerge as this, yeah. this running back in, in week five. And then you got Vernon Adams atop pretty much any statistic you can find passing-wise in the CFL. Like you would just, again, you would say, yeah, I'm signing this right now because there's a lot of things to like about this team right now. And it's a lot of guys contributing. Like we there's we can get into like Jalen Edwards Cooper yesterday who had the game of his mm-hmm. life, I'm, I'm sure. It's it's good to see pretty much all 44 guys that are dressing, making contributions. Uh, you hit on a few key topics there. Let's stay with those a little rapid fire here. We're going to hear from uh, Bobby DeBow, soon to be an official Guinness Book of Records holder. Officially 10 stadiums in 17 days, 9 and 15. He did Winnipeg twice, but looking forward to catching up with Bobby. But uh, let's, I guess, start with VA because, again, rightly or wrongly, uh, the six interceptions was a talking point, um, was a little bit of a, I don't want to call it a situation, but, you, you know, you could tell it was getting to him, uh, some of the media scrutiny, and he handled it all like a pro. But uh, after that uh, near disaster to start, interception return called off by an illegal contact second play of the game. And I know some people may have said it was a ticky tack call, but you give that back judge just a little bit of reason with a bit of a tug that's going to get called most of the time we've had those go against us. And um, I know some naysayers want to put a little asterisks on this, uh, but bottom line is that was a penalty and, the offense uh, responded well. VA officially 21 of 26 for 291 yards. 
he's going to get credit for another completion uh, toss to Alexander Hollins. Uh, the one touchdown to Javon Katoy, which served as a real backbreaker in the third quarter. And that touchdown to Katoy came right after a brilliant throw. Great route, great throw to Keon Hatcher. So VA is okay, as they say. 100%. And even going back to that first possession, our first drive of the game for the Lions, the mental aspect, right? Like there was a lot of pressure on Vernon going to this game. And then you do throw an interception, albeit um, negated by penalty. But the mental aspect for Vernon to bounce back and lead a, lead the team down the field for a touchdown drive. And he did it with his legs too, right? Had that 22-yard rush on yep. that drive. And then, yeah, finding there, – there were some – I that that's another talking point I think we can make about Vernon and his play this season is that some of the best throws in the CFL this period, I would say majority of the best throws if you're going to rank them on a subjective uh, basis. But I would say Vernon's right up there on, on several of them. I think there was the one to Whitehead in Winnipeg, the one to Katoy yesterday. Like That's right in the bucket. There's two Alouettes right there. And if yeah. you, you just miss that throw, it's an incompletion, maybe an interception. And Vernon has the the courage to throw that perfectly on the run too, and onto his uh onto his non throwing side too. So that was just a really impressive throw. Touchdown to Rhymes last week. So, I uh, yeah, I I know we weren't buying any 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 of the stock that um Vernon can't get the job done, and he proved it again yesterday that he can. Yep, and um, good for him. I mean, uh, you could just sense it in his post-game media, just how uh, relaxed and relieved he was that, uh, that they got the win, first off. I mean, he's the best example of a guy. If his stats aren't great, but the team still wins, he's he's a happy camper. So, uh, VA, yeah, he'll be just fine, and uh, he's going to uh, take some time um, in Tacoma, you'd think, this bye week. Sean Shivers, it's funny. It was kind of a daily story, a daily question in training camp for us included. We have all these running backs here, three, four guys with NFL experience, but now all of a sudden the question was, who's going to emerge? Take one, Mizell. We're not writing him off at all though. Okay. But now um, due to injury, Sean Shivers, a kid brought in less than two weeks prior, no pro experience to think of other than a mini camp stint in Seattle and 136 scrimmage yards. He was actually the club's leading receiver on Sunday with 73 yards. Of course, that was a reception that he took almost for his second touchdown of the game. Unfortunately, lost the fumble and he had some fun with it after in his postgame comments about yeah. his mom's not going to be too happy. Heck of a kid, happy-go-lucky guy. So if the Lions do run into some more trouble, injuries, what have you, maybe Sean Shivers bruising back. He blocks well. Who would have thunk it? Yeah, as the Lions brass would say, yeah, this is a good problem to have, that you have two yeah. guys that are capable options in the backfield. But yeah, with Shivers, speed kills. That 68-yard that reception just found another gear and took off. It was impressive to see. I know even call, calling back to our episode last week, we were saying in practice, he looked quick. And he definitely showed that on the... It was only his first game since November. I thought it was... I actually asked him post-game when well, while he was waiting to do media. I was like, when was the last time you were playing a football game? And he said November, which is a substantial time. But yeah, he, right. he was excited to get back out there. And he really showed his potential. And yeah, like moving forward now, you you have several options at running back that you can, you can trust. Yep. Depth. So you, it's a word that's used quite a bit. And um, happy for Sean too. You love that. It's a great thing about 
sports and this league in general, you see these guys and, and he, someone asked him, uh, I think it was uh, Taryn with uh, CIVL radio asked him post game about what he knows about Vancouver. And he basically still said nothing. <laughs> you know, he's just been in the facility studying up, learning the offense and, and maybe he'll get some time uh, to enjoy the city as the lions are on a bye until facing Saskatchewan watermelon smash one week from Saturday, stay tuned for the events that night. We'll hit that on the podcast next week. I'm sure. Um, but Matthew Betts, Ho-hum, two more sacks, nine on the year, over halfway to achieving Brent Johnson's Canadian record for defensive linemen, or sack record in general, uh, set in 2006. James Quick Parker, 26 and a half, uh, back in the late 80s, I think that was uh, the all-time single-season record. Again, Nick Depth, people say, why would you cut loose a Sean Lemon why would you quickly move on from a Jonathan Kongbo after one supposed incident in here? Um, now you're seeing just how comfortable this coaching staff was with the players they already had in here. But um, Matthew Betts, this is going to be special to keep tracking. Yeah, for sure. And it seems like Betts has obviously hit his full potential now. He was someone who was very highly toted uh, back in his CIS days. I'm sure, I'm sure like every every diehard CFL fan that's following the CIS, they, they would know about Matthew Betts because he was a top prospect coming out and he's showing it now at this next level. And yeah, nine sacks in the season, that get off speed is second to none in, in the CFL. He actually got one. He got, he got caught with an offside yesterday, but it was, it was, yeah, it was close. It was close. And that's because he has, Suter was talking about this on the broadcast yesterday. He's one of those guys where, He's so quick off the edge that you you think he has to be offside, but he's just it's just that natural skill he has just with getting off and and something he uses to his advantage and it's coming coming through full steam right now. Yeah, he'd be at double digits if not for that. Yeah. Again, it's it's that close, close. Um, that close. Yeah, um, and hey, he's a heck of an individual uh, as well. Uh, is Matthew Betts so? Four and one um, by week comes at a good time. Again, uh, you see Jalen Edwards Cooper leave on Sunday rib injury. We're not quite sure how serious it was. Shouldn't be that bad, but, and even bets himself uh, was taken off toward the end. Uh, just a bit of cramping, but no issues there. We'll see if a Manny Rugumba is uh, healed in time for the 22nd. And again, take Juan Mizell if he's healthy, <laughs> they have a tough decision to make as far as, the backfield goes. We do know as if as if Mr. Mizell does take an extra week or two, they're fairly comfortable uh, in one Sean Shivers. So Lions and Rough Riders. Uh, we'll talk about this week's game. Saskatchewan again hosting Calgary. Um, and want to address um before we get to to Bobby DeBow, who's in Seattle for the home run derby. Talk about living the life. Uh, Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, making it official. Jeremiah Masoli uh, is lost for the season. He did suffer a ruptured Achilles, um, his left leg. Um, we certainly feared the worst watching him go off, certainly in emotional times after all he did to get back. And uh, we wish Jeremiah all the best going forward. Uh, certainly tough to hear that today. Yeah, I echo, I echo that, obviously. And just positive vibes overall. It's so heartbreaking to see after all the rehab and all all the time it takes to come back and to have that all wiped out in one game is pretty devastating. And yeah, it's it sucks to see, especially when you hear the the character of Jeremiah Mazzoli too. He's a, such a well liked individual and such a a leader and um 
been in this league for seems like what a decade now, I believe. And it's, it's very yeah. tough to, to hear the news, but wishing him all the positive thoughts and, and this next recovery. And hopefully he can come back even stronger and keep, uh, keep playing football in the future. Yep. I uh, wouldn't put it past him uh, to make a full recovery once again, for sure. All the best to Jeremiah Masoli. Hope to see him again next season and beyond that. All right. Uh, a little bit of a different uh, twist today, but it's awesome. Uh, you may have heard him on with Julio last night, a Sunday in the halftime on AM 730, part of the broadcast. Uh, Bobby Dubow, uh officially soon to be a Guinness World Record holder. Nine stadiums in 15 days, including a couple of big Lions games sandwiched in there. We'll talk to Bobby next, first and now. And we've tracked the man down, uh, soon to be official, knock on wood, Guinness Book of World Record holder, nine CFL stadiums, 15 days. Bobby DeBow with us now. And uh, Bobby, let me get this straight. Your tour is continuing, sort of. You're in Seattle for the All-Star Festivities Home Run Derby tonight. Do you ever sleep, my man? Uh, I got a little bit of sleep last night, but it was weird. I'm sleeping. I would wake up and I didn't know where I was. I'm used to being in hotels and uh, I'm half asleep in my own in my own bed for the first time in a long time. And I don't know where the hell I am. So <laughs> that's awesome. Um, you know, very quickly before we talk about your CFL Odyssey was was Seattle and uh, the All Star festivities. Was this always part of your schedule? Uh, what made you want to do that? Uh, well. I've never been to a home run derby. I kind of think that's kind of like a bucket list thing too. I really don't have much interest in the in the game tomorrow, but uh, I was able to get some tickets and I have an agenda here that I write everything in. And July 10th, the week was blank. Little did I know the week before it was packed. So I didn't realize it was like the next day after this record. Um, but I also didn't think this record would have uh, really taken off the way it has too. So I was going to be kind of sliding by quietly in, 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 in the darkness. Yeah. I was excited to see that uh, the all-star game was going back to Seattle and it was going to be on our bye week lions bye week, but a uh, family duty calls. I'm heading the opposite way, heading up to the Okanagan, not a bad, uh, not a bad place to be. So I'll be watching on television. Um, our pal JC Abbott at three down nation uh, does a great job covering the CFL. And uh, you talked to him for his article that he wrote, and he kind of gave a, a good background on on your journey. And we'll get to it. We'll, we'll get you to talk about each uh, venue here in just a couple of minutes. But what gave you the inspiration to try this and approach the Guinness Book of Records? Because uh, as it said in that story, they reject a thousand applications daily. Just talk about that process and and what made you want to do it. Uh, well. Like the schedule, it was kind of, I, I think this is like an anomaly in, in the schedule here where uh, at the time I booked the trip, there was three Western games one weekend, three Eastern games the next. Uh, so I really only had to do this weird Hamilton trip this past weekend to make this work. So um, I don't know, growing up, you always like, just want to, what do you want to be when you grow up? Being in the Guinness Book of World Records is uh, is a pretty good answer. So I thought maybe I'll submit this idea to them. Uh, it takes 12 weeks to hear back, uh, but you basically need to pitch uh, why it would be good. I, would, I said it's uh, like kind of culturally significant to, to Canada. Um, 
how unique every stadium is, that kind of thing. And and the fact I could do it at the time I pitched it, it was 17 days. Uh, but once this thing gave momentum, I made a double stop back into Winnipeg to cut it down to 15. So uh, basically just submit and I would have enjoyed, I would have done the trip anyway. Uh, but uh, 12 weeks later, they said, uh, we'll call you, don't call us. And exactly 12 weeks, they said, go for it. So uh, just waiting, and and now it's just a lot of evidence collection. When it comes to the stadiums, too, like you, you're obviously attended all nine. How did that go with like picking your seats, like picking? I guess the order comes naturally based on schedule. But like when it comes to where you want to sit, like where do, in general, where do you like sitting for a football game? Uh, I like to sit high up in the middle, kind of get that TV view. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, yeah, I like high up in the middle. Not not too low with the with the I don't know if the rich people are down there, but uh, I like to get a view of the game. I like to see the plays develop, and uh, in, in some in some stadiums, uh, uh, you you get the 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 better commentary up up top as well. Were you I guess at the start too? Were you attending these games by yourself? And then I'm guessing that once maybe the story tried started to gain traction, that's when maybe fans started approaching you live at these stadiums and adding to that experience that you had. Yeah, I got um, I have family in a lot of these cities. So Winnipeg, I went with family. Uh, Calgary and Edmonton. My cousin lives in Calgary. She came up with me to Edmonton as well. Um, but in terms of the record like i need to have people that aren't affiliated with me at all as witnesses so i've been i I was the first person approaching strangers at the stadium saying hey like first off are you going to be here till the end of the game because i need you to be here to say i was here the whole game uh so random people i was approaching them at first and now i'm getting the random people uh, coming up to me yeah that's what it was it was like people taking selfies with you did it go that far or like what was like it, the experience it has like? got that far i'm i'm uh i guess i'm like a d d level celebrity in canada for for a few days here so yeah people recognize me i got a big beard just wear the wear the free sunglasses so uh i, I, I think i'm kind of just like an everyman for a, like it's the cfl <laughs> Yeah. I wanted to ask about the the merch items you were wearing too. It seemed like I, yesterday we saw you, you had, you had a Hamilton Tiger Cats hat on, you had a BC Lions shirt, and then I think you had those Saskatchewan Rough Riders glasses, right? So were you collecting was, merch uh, items along the way too? Oh yeah. I, I think I'm always, I got some, whatever. I, I go to NASCAR races a lot. So I always try and get like the free sunglasses. They give it a lot of, a lot of merch there, but uh, yeah, if somebody's going to give me free sunglasses or in case of Hamilton, they gave me the hat. Uh, yeah, I'm going to wear it for sure. Yeah. Uh, Hamilton's a cool vibe. Uh, we've not been to Tim Hortons field since 2019 due to, uh, the recent uh, changes in the scheduling, of course, uh, gray cup, uh, this season, gray cup one, one zero in the hammer. So hope to get there a couple times, but, um, we're going to talk about perhaps each venue and and what makes them each unique because i i know listening and reading some of your other interviews you've definitely had a diverse experience but uh just how special is the cfl community uh in terms of the fans bobby how much of that was evident on this tour uh the fans have been pretty incredible and like i i knew it was kind of like a kind of like a very friendly welcoming community but uh, it's, it's been, it's been crazy, like uh, above my wildest expectations with, with how friendly everybody's been. Um, uh, I don't think 
this kind of camaraderie exists in other sports it's like yeah it's a professional league but it's not it's not a kind of corporate corporate league so um yeah everybody has been super welcoming every stadium has their own kind of flavor uh yeah it, i don't know i i i said to somebody it was i would recommend this not just for canadians but for people from around the world if you're going to come visit canada like go to a cfl game spend an afternoon and it's it's the type of canadian culture that you won't get uh anywhere else in the country this uh you can actually trace this uh story for you bobby back to last year uh, i read here um there was a hurricane that uh, caused some travel issues that allowed you to visit montreal and ottawa for games on the last weekend so Mother Nature certainly had an in- impact in getting this story going, going, didn't it? Uh yeah, like it was like again, it was like Hurricane Fiona. I I traveled to Cape Breton uh, a fair amount, so I know there's uh like it was complete devastation over there. Um, but uh, I was planning on being out there, and because of Fiona got there the day before, I was stuck in in Montreal. So I planned on going to that Alouettes game anyway. And uh, I didn't plan on staying much longer in Montreal. So I went and visited some family in Ottawa and said, hey, like, why don't we go? Why don't I do a back to back CFL game uh, and went to the Red Blacks? So uh, it was a lot of fun there. I couldn't believe like the Red Blacks, despite what the record, I think there's a little more optimism this year. But last year, I, I just couldn't believe how many fans were still going to these games. <laughs> so, like, the diehard fans in the CFL are like no other. Like, they'll sit through and uh, and they'll let you know your team's not doing well, but they'll still be there to support you. Um, I read that you, you tabbed uh, Saskatchewan uh, as the best game day experience. Speaking uh, from our perspective, um, it has been vastly improved the last couple of years. I mean, you've been going to games uh, for a long time here in British Columbia. How impressed with you, how impressed were you in terms of the game experience at BC Place compared to maybe five, six years ago? Oh, it's it's not even close. Like You wouldn't even know there was a game on five or six years ago when you're walking yeah. around downtown. So, uh, like, I know they're in a kind of, difficult spot like Saskatchewan's easy the stadium's kind of in a wide open space downtown Vancouver it's uh I'm sure I'm sure Mr. Doman has spent a few dollars uh, blocking off these streets uh for just for the fan experience so it's it's incredible the pregame that's out there now uh but even the in-game just the production in-game has has it's been a huge difference and I hate to be like Joey Alfieri and give you guys a bunch of credit for the video production. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, that's a huge difference as well. It's not just, uh, it's not, it wasn't as bad as like the Coliseum, the clapping hands, but there wasn't really much going on at, at a Lions game uh, until the last few years. Um, before we were talking on air here too, and this is kind of circling back to the CFL community and how welcoming it is, but you had a, a good story about meeting a fan that, that ended up giving you a ride. Uh, yeah. So my, my biggest concern was uh, this Hamilton game on Saturday. Uh, my friend lives in Toronto and he's told me it's like Maple Ridge. It's, it's no big deal. There's not, I guess he was kind of saying it's, there's nothing in Hamilton, which there is. Uh, but it turns out it's like two and a half hours on transit uh but i met a guy in the airport at winnipeg uh like five in the morning getting a flight to toronto and he recognized me from being on uh, the tv the night before 
He's actually from Vancouver. He's been to uh, 29 Grey Cups this year, will be his 30th. And he had done kind of the same trip as me, just without the first two. He had a rental car, uh, so he was uh, more than happy to pick me up and uh, drive me back after the game. Saved me probably four hours of travel and uh, a lot of stress that I didn't need to worry about. So he was great to meet. Uh, Evan from Vancouver, he's a, he's a big Lions fan too. But I think Red Blacks were his, uh, were his team, which uh, didn't go over too well in Hamilton that night. That's awesome. Uh, quickly, quickly before we let you go, I just want to say I'm gonna I'm gonna throw a, a stadium name and just give me like the first thought about like what makes this this game day experience good. We'll we'll start with TD Place. Uh, TD Place in Ottawa. Yeah, it's uh, I was lucky I was on the I was on the newer side, um, but uh, it's it's a it's a great experience. It's right on the canal, right? It's a good atmosphere walking in. Uh, if I had a lot of money, I'd buy in that that little apartment that had overlooks. But uh, it was great. The red the red blocks were were great to me too. They had me come on the field and uh, presented me a jersey, and it's like Antoine Pruneau giving me a jersey. It's like what, what, why do you care about me? Like <laughs> you're you're uh, you're a hero to these uh, red blocks fans. So uh, Ottawa was was one of the best experiences I had during the trip. What about BMO? BMO, I I don't get it. I it's like it's it's a great stadium. It's a great location. You're right on the water, and it's. I, I saw the attendance come out. It's like twelve thousand. It sounded like there was way more than twelve thousand there. I don't get why more people don't go to that, go to that stadium, or to see that team. Like they're one of the best teams in the league, and they, great cup champion. And uh, I, yeah, I just don't get it. Everything's there for success like in terms of drawing fans and yeah i got nothing bad to say about that stadium either and then also you obviously stopped in alberta uh these this past uh 10 days so um alberta like uh commonwealth we'll start with there uh, what, what was your experience uh seeing the edmonton elks play uh commonwealth well seeing them play and and, and visiting commonwealth <laughs> are, are two different things but uh, Commonwealth, I really enjoyed it. it. It's basically like BC Place without a roof, and the bathrooms aren't as nice in Edmonton. But uh, it's a great atmosphere. Again, like the like the fans that that was the only home losing streak that wasn't broken while I was at a game. So uh, <laughs> it's incredible that there's still that many people going to a going to see a game of a team that hasn't won since uh, before COVID. <laughs> so uh, yeah, Commonwealth was great. The food was great uh and and the uh the team and and the and the media were very uh good too they kind of put me on the map so uh i really enjoyed commonwealth hmm. then you went to mcmahon too right did you go to the riders game uh at McMahon? yeah i went to the riders game so it was a lot more people there than usual uh i was lucky enough to have a seat with a back on it in mcmahon uh, but about halftime, everybody, all the Riders fans come down from the top because they're scouting out these these nicer seats because they're all sitting on benches in the top level there. So uh, it was a great game. Uh, it was uh, it was a pretty wild finish. And uh, yeah, I, McMahon gets a bad rap, I know. Uh, but yeah, it's an older stadium. Uh, there's still a lot to like. It's a good atmosphere. And they got the world's fastest cow, which I think was the best hmm. uh, in-game entertainment out of all the stadiums I went to. Did the cow win? Uh, like apparently the cow runs an eleven second hundred meters. So yeah, the cow destroyed the two guys. So yeah, I always I think they do at the start of the second quarter. I I always tune into that one too when we're there. Um, 
Montreal, I believe you went to the the Canada Day game, right? Where unfortunately the weather was uh, not so nice. He's still, do- yeah, he's still drying out. I think. <laughs> yeah, that was that was crazy. This like I usually get to the stadiums an hour early because I don't want to risk anything. Uh, but get to the stadium, and as soon as I walk in, everybody's crammed in underneath the stands. It's not the best stadium. It's kind of like being crammed underneath the stands at Swangard. Uh, there's no real communication. You're looking at a screen. It was kind of like reminding me of Squid Game. Everybody's just staring at a screen that says game coming back on at 8 o'clock. And then it's 8.40. And if that went anything past 10 o'clock, that game would have been canceled and the record would have been gone too. So that was the uh, only time I was really sweating at all during this whole trip. Sure, there's travel issues, but I didn't think there'd be an issue of a game getting scrapped altogether. So Luckily, they they got the game in, and they got it in to the halfway point of the third quarter before the second weather system came in, too. So I know all about the CFL weather rules now. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a, a thing you can't really con- or take into f- consideration beforehand, right? But Matt, is there any other stadiums we haven't talked about yet? Did we talk about IG Field? IG Field? Um, yeah, I, I went there twice. Uh, the second game was, I think, more of the uh, authentic IG field experience where the Bombers actually won because the Lions <laughs> slaughtered them the first game. Uh, it got pretty quiet. I, everybody's leaving. So uh, the second game was a lot better. I was sitting up a lot higher up. Um, that yard dog, it's not a yard. It's not even 32 inches like they said. I think it's like maybe two and a half feet. Uh, but it's got some good pierogies on top of it at least. Yeah, I want to try one of those uh, when we're back there in August. What was your favorite food on this Odyssey, Bobby? Uh, I I really like the green and gold dog in Edmonton. Uh, I've been told uh, that usually the mac and cheese on it is cold. I was lucky enough to get some warm mac and cheese on mine, so that made it good. And there were these, I think there were churro donuts in, in Calgary, which uh, I, I only had a couple, thankfully, so... Uh, but they were really good as well. Those were probably the top two of, of the trip. We'll have to sample a green and gold dog. That uh, the mac and cheese. Yeah, I'm just taste buds there. We'll start our we'll start our uh, health kick after Labor Day. How's that? Um, listen, Bobby, this was outstanding. Uh, I'm glad we were able to touch base. Uh, thank you for making time and uh, enjoy the All Star festivities. That's still a bucket list item for me. Nick and I saw some postseason baseball last year. The Blue Jays Mariners wild card uh, game in Toronto, but the All Star game is uh, looks like a lot of fun as well. So enjoy it, my friend, and let's stay in touch. We'll see you at a game here soon. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on. It's an honor to be on there on here. Yeah, thank you, Bobby, and congrats again on the record. And we'll see you around BC Place. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent stuff with Bobby Debeau, fella Delta. We got we're getting more Delta guys on here. Yeah, Nick. it's a theme now, eh? It's a theme, yes. Um, love it. Who are we, who are we getting at next week? <laughs> Let's give Mitch Berger a call. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Mitch uh, living his uh, living the dad life uh, down in Phoenix, Arizona. I got to know him a bit on the Super Bowl junkets with Moj back in the day. Yeah, there's some like, stories. There's some stories to be told, not yeah. on this podcast, but well, Moj had him on this year. A great interview. Yeah, he of course lives in Arizona, so would have been easily able to get there. But uh, Mitch is a solid guy, and I saw him. He was he was uh, 
he was in a Mardoman suite at one point last season, I believe. So always welcome at BC Place. But I'm itching to try some of this food now. That green and gold dog with the mac and cheese. Yeah, let's yep. go. Of course, I chickened out last year in Montreal. I did not get the poutine helmet. Might have to switch that this year and try it. But um, we should do a video with that or something. Yeah, well, even in Winnipeg, right? When you walk into the stadium and the, the road entrance, they have a barbecue going with these hot dogs. It was actually one of our guys was saying, do not eat those hot dogs. You don't know what they're putting in them when the, the road team comes in. So who, having some fun with it. But it was, yeah. it was a funny. It was funny to see that. Yeah, uh, stadium food, a big part of any lengthy CFL road, road trip, just like ballpark food. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, we talked about it. Successful night at all uh, overall Sunday, and uh, you had a funny story to tell. You you did something funny. What did you do? Yeah, <laughs> I was battling some conditions yesterday too, and it was I, I don't know where the blame should fall on this, but pregame, uh, uh, we the access that we we were privileged to get, I, I'm able to go in the locker room, and and usually what my role is there is just to capture Coach Rick's speech and. Um, and then when the guys come out, I follow them out, them out and then that's it. And then the game starts. Right. But so I go in the room and in, in the BC place locker room, we have, uh, there's kind of a gap in between lockers and it's usually, it's right at the DB yeah. section. So Gary Peters is on one side of the gap. And I think it was Adrian greens on the other gap, but there's a little bit of a gap. It's this little like brick pillar that's in the, in the middle. And that's usually where I stand because there's no locker room or no locker behind me. So there's a little space naturally for me. Right. So I, I'm waiting for uh, I'm waiting for Coach Rick to come in and give his pregame speech, and I I lean back on the pillar, and then I start feeling this. My back gets all wet, and it's like it's and I I'm thinking to myself, is this really wet? So I I go back and I touch my back, and it's drenched, and then I start smelling some uh, hand sanitizer, and <laughs> oh, so no. be it. There's a hand sanitizer bottle along this 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 wall piece that's in the, in the gap there. And I guess by leaning back onto it, I triggered, it was like a, like the, the sensor that comes out that for the hand yeah. sanitizer. Yeah. Yeah. So un, unbeknowingly, I had it triggered probably for a good 10 seconds. So thankfully I was wearing a black shirt because my back was drenched like, and it, and it's, it's a strong scent too, right? The hand sanitizer. So I had to deal with that. And I think it went away by the first quarter when I was in the sun, but it was, it, <laughs> I, I was drenched in hand sanitizer, which is just a, a very funny pregame story that I had to deal with. Well, it was a pretty hot night. You could have just gotten away with telling people that oh, I'm just sweating. I'm running around a circle on my back. Yeah. Oh. I, I could smell it for the first probably quarter of the game. That's the type of thing. You're lucky. It happens uh, at home. If you do that on a road trip, well, you have a change of clothes you can change into for the flight, but yeah. And we wear black shirts. Um... So thankfully. So beware of the gap in the locker room. It's hazardous. Moral yeah. of the story. It'd be clean though. Uh, I love it. Uh, as mentioned, uh, first of three bye weeks, uh, Lions uh, back to work. I'll be back to practice uh, one week from Monday. We're recording this on uh, Monday, starting bye week. Uh, week six in the CFL. Again, we got, well, no, it's different. We got Thursday, Friday, and then first double header of the year, I think, Saturday, two games. But we'll go in order Edmonton, 0 5, Hamilton, 1 3, the venue, Commonwealth. We've asked this question a hundred times. Well, 18 or 19 times on this podcast. Can the Elks win at Commonwealth, Nick? <laughs> Can they? Yes. Do I think they will? I'm, I'm sorry, but no. <laughs> I like so what, what you're Matthew... saying. 
Sans, so what you're saying is the pressure is going to be on our team to keep the winless streak going because we'd be the next opponent there on July 29th. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I liked what yeah. I saw with Matthew Schultz last week, and I thought Hamilton made some made some good plays last week. Their defense looked pretty alive. They're making they're forcing turnovers. So unfortunately, unless Edmonton can air it out on Hamilton's secondary, which I think is maybe their their path to winning this one, I'm I'm not sure they can get it done. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, uh, I'm with you. I think uh, Matthew Schultz. I mean, it's been a couple of weeks now where there's. No questions about Bo Levi Mitchell's health. We know Matthew's going to be the guy for probably a couple more weeks, right? And um, that was kind of a funny game they had uh, with Ottawa. Not much offense to go around on either side, but Hamilton still has a veteran-laden roster on both sides of the ball. They do seem to be getting a bit healthier. They got to get James Butler going. Um, We know what James... Yeah, we know what uh we know what James Butler's been capable of. Um, but if they get they get out to a lead and they want to ground and pound and run the clock, um, have to get a bit more out of Butler, I think, but it hasn't mattered because they, they won last week, right? So yeah, I, I'm with you. Um <laughs> I can't see the Elks coming out of it. Who knows the residual effect of the CJ Sims gaff there in, in Regina. So you have to wonder if there's more doubt starting to creep in, but, but who knows, but I, I I'm with you. I'm, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be gambling uh, any hard earned cash on the Edmonton Elks, especially at home. <laughs> so that's Thursday. That's Thursday. We of course don't gamble on the CFL, but I'm just saying if I did, um, the record. game of the week, probably Friday, uh, 3-0 and Toronto. They're coming off their second bye already, the Argos. Shades of our schedule last year. Uh, Montreal loses a two straight now, of course. Uh, Toronto in Montreal Friday, 4.30 start Pacific time. Uh, that Argos defense, uh, they make Cody Fajardo the least bit uncomfortable early. This one maybe could get out of reach for Montreal early, but um, I don't want to say must win. But if you're an Alouette's team who has any hope of making this a race for first place all season long, you kind of have to get this one, Nick. Yeah, adversity is probably the key word with this one when it comes to Montreal. And the factor, too, that they were on the West Coast here yesterday, Sunday afternoon, and had to fly back all the way to Montreal on Monday. And now they play yeah. on Friday. So that's a quick turnaround. But we've seen... I mean, we saw we went to Winnipeg from a Saturday to Thursday turnaround on one full practice and went in there and won, obviously. And then even last week with the Argos and playing us, they I know the Argos had to practice at different locations with the air quality out there. So, um, yeah, like it's it's going to be a tough situation for Montreal, but I want to see how they how they respond to it. And we'll we'll see what Toronto's like off a of bye too, which is probably a scary sight. Yeah, uh, Chad Kelly again. Um, he had a lot of help from his defense, and he's got a he's got an elite running back and AJ Ouellette. Physical, physical football team. That, that was evident when we were at BMO there last week. So, oh yeah, um, that's I'm gonna look forward to to watching that. That'll be my last night in Penticton, but might have to might have to get uh, get the TV on uh, before going out for dinner on Friday. Argos Alouettes. Saturday again, doubleheader, one o'clock Pacific time. How about this? Uh, four and one Winnipeg at one and three Ottawa. We talked about uh, the unfortunate Mazzoli news earlier. Uh, so Ottawa's quarterback situation uh, initially here, not sure they can overcome this against the Blue Bombers. 
Uh, I expect Winnipeg to be 6-1 and one when we go back there on August 3rd. They'll be in Ottawa here. They'll host Edmonton. Then they'll have a bye, and we're coming off a short week. Again, there's that scheduling, but have to overcome it. Um, yeah, we'll see. Been wrong before, but uh, I think Winnipeg is the safe assumption here. What do you think? feel? Yeah, that's a tough get for Ottawa, especially with coming off another quarterback change, obviously, and playing the Winnipeg Blue Bombers is no easy task. But on the positive side, I thought Dustin Crum looked pretty capable. He looked competent with with the offense last week, and that's obviously a tough situation for him. He's newer to the team, uh, having to come in unexpectedly. He uses legs really well. Obviously, it goes back to the last play with Ottawa and Hamilton where he came up two yards short, but also had a nice touchdown run. So Maybe there's always that element too, where football is such a game of scouting and and scheming and all that. When you don't know who you're scheming or scouting for, and, and a new quarterback, right? Like maybe that can serve as an advantage. I'm sure that's a message Ottawa's handing out in their locker room right now. That you know we're gonna throw something new at them, and we'll see how it works. And that's kind of the beauty of football, right? You don't know exactly what's gonna happen on any given game. All right, the nightcap, uh, Saturday, 4 o'clock Pacific time, 3-1 uh, and one Saskatchewan hosting 1-3 and three Calgary. Um, the Elks, recent home struggles, well-documented. The Red Blacks, they got their home win against Edmonton, but well-documented. Saskatchewan over Edmonton last week, Nick, you forget. That was their first home win in pretty much a calendar year almost, right? Crazy. Yeah, crazy. Uh, they had they they I think lost their last 7 home games last year including two to your BC Lions in the summertime, once in July, once in August. So, um the Stampeders, I I thought they could have been in for something good in Winnipeg last week, but a couple of big mistakes, missed field goal return, you know how opportunistic the Bombers are. Uh, I was talking a bit about, you know, almost a crucial win time to win territory for Montreal. What about Calgary, Nick? They don't want to fall behind in this top three West race. This is a big one for the Stampeders. This game is super important for both teams. I find because the Saskatchewan drops the three and two, then they're back. Yeah. Right in the mix with Calgary. But if they go to four and one, then suddenly they're playing us for a battle of four and one teams. And that's and... We're talking the top of the West. And don't forget, Saskatchewan would lock up the season series with a win because they did win in Calgary a few weeks ago. Our guy, uh, Bobby DeBoe, was at that game, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. If you're Saskatchewan and you get this win, you're essentially eight points up when you factor in the tiebreaker. That's a big swing. So Huge. And um, the Riders have been executing too, right? Like that's, they they made that play in overtime, Nick Marshall ending that game, they... They've been in close games. The, the the week one goal line stoppage that that gave them the win. So, I mean, they've been in close games, but they've been coming out on top. Yeah, and then of course the craziness uh, against Edmonton. So yeah, there's your week six menu. Uh, look forward to to watching and uh, tuning into these games. And I'm off to Penticton, a little family trip, a little wine tour, a little lake time. Gonna unwind, uh, unplug for a few days and. Be back next week. Yeah, that's a much-earned time off for you, eh? Yeah, for, for all of us. I know you're heading up to Kamloops. You're going back to training camp. Yeah, uh, I, I uh, I've been there two months. I miss I missed it too much. <laughs> Just can't keep you away from the chicken yeah. souvlaki and the, uh, the burritos. Okay. Yeah. Well, shout out to our pals, uh, Tours in Kamloops, a podcast partner of ours for a time, and 
Look forward to seeing what you capture. All right, first and now, the official Lions podcast. Uh, subscribe, rate, leave a review. Um, we've had some excellent guests lately, from Kate Burness to Katie Hamilton. Sarah said, Joey Alfieri, our guy, one of our new best buddies on the CFL circuit, talking Alouettes, and uh, Bobby DeBow. Not every day you get to talk to someone who's going to be in the Guinness Book of Records. So I'm at BakesTakes84. He is at Nick underscore Kowalski on Twitter. And we'll talk to you next week on First and Now.